Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Firing Synapses. This is a show all about exploration. I want to learn what makes you, you. This includes your hobbies, passions, whatever else drives an emotion. However, if you want to come on just to vent about what's currently bothering you, I'm perfectly fine with that as well. My goal for this show is for you to have a good time, learn something, and have the opportunity to talk about what you normally would not get a chance to share with others. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. For those return listeners, I thank you very much. I appreciate all the love. For those of you who are new to this endeavor, I am your host, Matt. On today's show, we are going to be talking about a topic I at least have some knowledge of, so I'm not going to be completely clueless today. We, But before we actually get into our topic on hand, uh, let me introduce my guest for the show, the host of the Turtle Stack podcast. Please welcome Joanne. Hi, Joanne. Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Um, for some reason, I don't know why, but whenever I see your show pop up on uh, not Shazam, uh, Spotify or anything else, I always think it's going to be called the Turtle Shack. Like, I don't know why like Turtle Shack is in my <laughs> head. I'm thinking like, oh, gee, maybe she's part of the B-52s and it's the Turtle Shack. But I'm like, no, why can't I find this? I mean, Turtle Stack. Not, not Shack, but Stack. I don't stack. know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it... If it helps, turtles actually do stack like it is a legit thing that they do where they pile up on top of each other. And it's like the cutest thing in the world, which is why I named my podcast after it. So just keep that image in your head of all those turtles piled up in sunbathing and you'll get there. I mean, it's very obvious once I look at your the icon picture for it. I mean, it's, you know, pretty much there are three turtles stacked upon each other, so... So speaking of that icon picture, I yes. actually did that icon myself. What did you end up using for it? Did you? So that I used um, Vector, which is a browser-based program that you can create vector art in. And it's it, like, it's a really fun program. It's pretty basic. You just click around and, and experiment with it. And it's it's very forgiving. It's completely free. But I've enjoyed doing art for a long time. And that was kind of one of my newer ventures into art. I haven't done much vector art before. So when I started the podcast, I was like, hey, I want to try making my own icon. I found that program and then took it from there. Um, so, I mean, that's what we're talking about today is art more as into the subgenre of painting, sculpting, molding, uh, not saying that other things aren't art, because I think anything that um, drives an emotion is some type of art. So I think if you're doing, if you're, you're a photographer, you're a musician, you're a storyteller, if you can involve uh, some type of an emotion, I think that's some type of art. Uh, but like I said, we're talking about more, what actually what I consider, if someone just says, hey, I'm an artist, I always picture someone standing in the loft with a, sm a white smock on and they have their 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 bob ross palette in one hand and slapping onto the canvas i always picture that's my, always my first thought when someone says hey i'm an artist and then if they yeah. say i'm a musician or whatever then my picture completely changes but my default is someone slapping some paint on some canvas yep that's i agree i think that a lot of people that's kind of what they default to and I completely agree with you. Any anything that drives an emotion can be considered art, and you know anything creative is is a type of art as well. So even even if you're just painting a bunny and there's no emotion behind it, that's also a type of art. Like, but yeah, I I personally like experimenting with a lot of different things. I tend to be a jack of all trades, master of none sort of a thing. So I've I've dabbled in a lot of different art forms. I'm not like significantly amazing at any of them like I'm not a fine artist I'm not uh I didn't go to art school but it's something that I've been doing since I was a little kid you know when I was in like kindergarten you know people say oh wow that's a really good house and you're like great I'm an artist I'm an artist from now and for forever and it just stuck with me so it's always been 
calming and enjoyable and just a fun way to expand and challenge myself. So that's, that's my venture into it. Now, I mean, I know you say you, you dabble in a little bit of everything. Is there a preferred, um, I want to call it discipline, but I don't even know if that's the correct term, but you know, I, we'll go with discipline. That sounds close enough of art. I mean, is there something that draws you more or you have more fun with? Yeah, it, it definitely varies from season to season. Like I'll get into a passion for a while and then it'll fade. So right now I'm really enjoying alcohol markers because they blend really smoothly and they have brush tips, which is just like a very satisfying uh, feeling. But probably the thing I go back to over and over again is painting. Um, I like traditional canvas acrylic painting and I also do painting on pottery I don't do a lot of actual like pottery building. I don't do any throwing or hand building. I do some slip casting, which is where you have a mold and you pour the clay into it. But it's more so the painting on ceramic that I enjoy. You threw a lot in there. And I'm I sorry. Wanted... <laughs> no, no, it's perfectly fine because you started in with alcohol markers. Um, so that um, that was my first question. And then you just kind of compounded it, which uh, which is fine. But um, what you, you say alcohol markers, I'm, I don't really know anything about that. Can you elaborate more on that? I mean, is that just what they're filled with? I mean, yes. Now, I do not know nearly as much about like the physical object as just like buying them and using them. So when you use a regular marker, like a Crayola marker, I believe they are water based. And what you will find with that is that when you are layering, if you add in too much, the paper will like start to tear and shred away. And when you overlap your colors, just the darker color is always prominent. Alcohol markers, because they are alcohol based, when you are drawing with them, you can overlap over and over and over again, and the color will get darker, but it won't actually damage the page at all. So a lot of kind of like anime style drawings that you see markered in are done with alcohol markers because you can get very nice blending. And like with an alcohol marker, if I take blue and I color and I take yellow and I color where they come together, I'll actually be able to blend the green instead of getting just one shade of green. I can get a full gradient. Oh, wow. So it's it's a little more similar to coloring with like paint or watercolors because you have more control. And then a brush tip is instead of the hard nib, like your traditional Crayola markers would have, or like a Sharpie would have, the the nib is very flexible. And so you can press very lightly, you get a fine line. And when you press harder, you'll get a thicker line. And you can play with that pressure and you can get like a nice flowy thin to thick. So if you're doing like a tree branch, you press hard at the base, you lift as you go, and you'll get a nice tapered branch instead of a consistently thick or thin one. It's kind of like um, if you ever use, well, I'm sure it's like on that vector program, but, you know, I use a lot of, well, used to use a lot of Photoshop and Lightroom, but I did mm -hmm. get a graphical tablet for, you know, pen pressure thing so I can start and it'll either start high opacity and, and go more translucent or you know, have one you know, jitter or something like that. So um, I kind of have an idea about that. Now, as far as when you're using those alcohol markers, are you using it on just a standard canvas or does it have something special? So you don't have to have anything special. I bought a sketchbook that does have a thicker paper so that it's less likely to bleed through. And then I put an extra piece of paper in there so that it doesn't bleed through any further, but like I've used them on regular computer paper and they still turn out very, very neat. Yeah. I actually haven't tried using them on like a, a stretched canvas. I don't know how they would behave, but I'd imagine they'd behave just fine. They need to kind of be able to soak in. So you don't want to use them on anything that doesn't have a porous, you know, you don't want to use them on like plastic or something like that. So do you prefer to have a more portable um uh, setup so if you're on in the car and on the train whatever whatever wherever you're going compared mm. to having a studio set up and say like, this is my uh you know this is my area that i paint yeah so 
I don't really have either of those. I do not have an official studio when I when I do art in my apartment. I just bring out all my art supplies. I paint in the middle of my bedroom floor. And after a week or two, when I'm like, okay, I'm done with this for a while, I put them all away. I drag them back out next time I'm ready. And then most of my supplies, I know which ones are my favorites. So if I'm going like to a gaming convention, I can pack up 10 markers that I'm like, okay, I like using these colors consistently. I'll bring these 10 markers. I'll bring this sketchbook. And that'll be it for the week that I'm gone, as opposed to trying to bring, I think I have like 80 markers in my collection, which bringing all of those would be very difficult. You have a kind of like a bug out bag type of thing where you're like, this is pretty much my general. If I'm going to some place, I can grab this and it has 80% of what I would ever need. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so you, you go to, like you said, gaming conventions or other places like that. So you, you'll just like sit in the corner somewhere and like paint a scene and kind of what's going on type of thing. Quite as much with that. I so first of all, I never bring paint when I'm traveling, just because that's well, <laughs> that's I, I a say, mess nobody wants. I say paint because I'm just used to, like I said, artists paint uh, canvas. So paint could be, you know, uh, markers, crayons, uh, color pencils, anything like that. So if I yeah. from 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 here on out, whenever I say paint, it's I know it's not the same, but for a sense of argument, that's uh. It's any type of media that you like to uh, you uh, art with. <laughs> okay, that that makes perfect sense. Um, and then in general, I don't do a lot of like still life or observational art. So I don't do a lot of like I'm looking at something, I'm drawing that, or I'm painting that. A lot of what I do, I, my friends and I do tabletop role playing. So I do a lot of character design. I like not quite abstract art, but just kind of like playing with colors and like movement and stuff like that in a piece. And I'll do a lot of inspiration. You know, you'll see one thing and it's like, okay, if they're doing that, I can add this to it or I can change that to it and kind of like growing from other people's ideas. So yeah, I don't do a lot of like, oh, this is a drawing of my friend because then if it doesn't look quite like your friend, your friend gets mad or offended and you're like, oh, I did my best. But drawing a friend's character, it's my interpretation. So that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why I always switched from, I used to always say, hey, this um, looks like or sounds like a certain thing, but um, people are like, that doesn't sound like that. That doesn't look like that. I change it to this reminds me of yep. that subject because you can't tell me what reminds me of something else. So if I say, hey, that looks like that to me. And you say, no, it looks completely opposite. But if you say, hey, that reminds me of that, you know, that's a different story. So I yeah. kind of switch gears. Um, yeah. So you, you say you, you, it's more of a you go to a place uh, just to art as opposed to uh, drawing the scene that you're in, more likely. Yeah, kind of. Well, I'll go to I'll go to gaming conventions just for fun, right? You know, I'm there to explore the games and things like that. But when I'm spending time in the hotel room or when you're waiting in line, I don't know if you've ever gone to like PAX or anything like that, but you can sit in line for like two hours for a panel. So that's where it's like you need something to entertain your mind. Some people bring books, some people bring board games. For me, a lot of times I will bring art supplies and I'll even just bring coloring books. Like I love coloring and coloring books and that's that's just kind of my my entertainment and like I said kind of just calming and fun and a chill chill thing to do something you can do while still having a conversation which is all very nice I mean so you bring up about tabletop games in doing this project uh well so first of all let me backstep a little bit oh. <laughs> I need to work on my soundboard because my 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 mouth personal effects aren't up to par to some people um but so being on your show and listening to it that's kind of why i kind of got inspired to change my format slightly on this show so my first 23 episodes give or take i was under the uh guise of that's crazy cast so that was i had females that have relationships that have terrible relationships and so i wanted to hear their story but they come on here just to uh because they're friends of mine they don't they're not really they want to talk about it but their uh mic technique and stuff like that isn't 
where it should be. And I don't really have a problem with that. You know, I'm not, I'm not an audio expert at all. Uh, but going on your show and hearing the people tell their stories, their passions, their uh, hobbies, their interests kind of made me want to change gear. So that's kind of where um, I changed this show from, like I said, that's crazy cast. And now I'm, I'm firing synapses. Pew, 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 pew. That's also my intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I still get derailed, but at least I have a more like, this is the topic we're going to talk about. Um, so one of the episodes I had somebody who talked about D and D and I've never played. Well, I played like once when I was, like 10 or so. So I had him on and somebody else on. And now I'm actually involved in a campaign. Um, so I grab books, you know, I'm starting to watch those videos and make, I already have a character and, uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about that, you know? Um, so we, you know, we meet, uh, you know, Fridays at, at 10 o'clock PM. So for me, I don't have to get up on Saturday. So ending at one, two o'clock in the morning is not a problem. But uh, I'm excited about, you know, commutative storytelling. So, um, I mean, that's part of, like I said, having people come on, share their experience. I learned stuff about, you know, the world that I probably would never think about. So, yeah, exactly. And that's like you said, the turtle stack is is a very similar, similar vibe. You've pulled some of mine, but you've definitely like made it your own and taken your own direction with it. But that was kind of my goal too, right? Is we all share this world, but we're all living in our own worlds at the same time. And there's these cultures that I have no idea about. And it's just really interesting to get those glimpses into other people's communities. And yeah, it's like, well, I have no idea what this is. Tell me about it. Let me see it through your eyes. Let me understand why you're so into this thing. So it's really fun to be on and actually sharing something that I'm interested in because as the host of my podcast, I don't usually do much of that. Yeah, that that is a completely different um, uh, hot seat, you know, when the tables are flipped where I'm, you know, you're asking the questions and you're you're finding about what other people are interested in. And then you're like, well, I'm interested in things, too. Who wants to hear my story? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, like like you said, going back to um, like when I was on your show, we were talking about cornhole and I was at editing one of my episodes and i just happened to see a pop-up of you know this this place is live they're doing an event and i just so happened to turn on where there was this quadriplegic guy playing so his he had just past his elbows on both sides and just shy of his knees and that guy was good i mean like and so that proves that like anybody can play um so just watching him throw he kind of bends the rules a little bit, but you know, not having hands, not having feet, you know, I'm sure they allow it, you know, you know, some bending, but just to watch him throw was amazing. I would love to actually have him on the show and talk about his experience because I'm sure that's got to be fascinating and looking through his profile and stuff like that. Apparently like he hunts with like a uh, crossbow and some other things, which that all those things would just increase the wow factor. Uh, tremendously for me so yeah there's actually um i've gone to schools to help with painting um so through my job sometimes we'll go to schools and kids will get to paint um and they sign up for the classes that they want to take so it's completely optional if any student is in that class or not and the one day i went in and a girl came into the classroom with i don't actually i i think she was like paralyzed from the waist up she had, she had no use of her arms. And I was like, why did you put this kid in the painting class? Like what, this, this was a bad idea. She's going to be frustrated and sad. She took off her shoes and socks. She painted holding the brush in her toes and she did a fantastic job. And I was like, oh, what a small mind I have. Like what a, what a terrible person I am to have assumed and it's like, it is, it is tragic that she has to live that way, but that's just what she does. And honestly, her piece probably turned out better than two thirds of the class. Like she did great. So yeah, it's, it's amazing just to see people getting on with getting on, you know? Yeah. It's, it's amazing how people can uh, adapt and overcome their uh, hardships. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, you look at somebody, oh, you're, you're 
have something that traditionally you use hands with, you know, mm -hmm. and you can't use your hands at all, not even like some. Um, so yeah, why are you here? And then yeah, then they pull out this like, magnificent piece where um, can I take lessons from you, please? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. And I think it's one of those things where it's like we get used to kind of pitying those people, or you start thinking like, oh, you've overcome so much, and it's true, like they've they've struggled, but. For a lot of those people, when you actually talk to them, it's like, that's just their life. Like they, they get used to it at a certain point and, you know, they, they get used to it the same way we get used to a bad haircut. Like, I don't know. They just, it's, it's their life for us. It's this weird anomaly for them. It's every day and they just function and they're, they're fine. It's sad. It's hard, but they're fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of feel, feel the same way about, you know, anybody who's deaf blind or mute I, I don't know like now granted my hearing isn't that great and my eyesights aren't that great but you know i at least have that option but for those people who you know can't see can't hear can't speak um i don't i, I don't understand like it's it kind of baffles me that they can life without those you know one of those senses which um bring it back to cornhole i i play with this guy who's deaf so he can't really he can't hear anybody so we play with partners so it's kind of it's a little bit frustrating because he writes down everything so you know it's it's a written you know back and forth but i mean he's still good he he comes like every week you know and it's it's for me my uh ignorant brain you know i'm like i don't know it's like how do these people life it's like wow that's amazing <laughs> D didn't you say um you sculpt as well, I believe. So a little bit. I don't do sculpting with traditional clay, but I do enjoy using Sculpey, which is an oven bake, oven bake clay polymer. Um, so like for a traditionalist, it's not actually clay. It's closer to like a, a plastic, I think. But you can take it, you shape it the same way you do with clay. And with those, I like making just like little miniature animals and they're very like chubby rounded like my favorite one is the fat unicorn i love a fat unicorn <laughs> um, it's like my favorite thing so i make those and they're actually something that i have sold at conventions i sell them for like a dollar a piece like they're they're mostly there if you've ever gone to a convention, a lot of the stuff is fairly expensive and people will walk around with kids and the kids want things and their parents aren't going to buy them a $20, $30 poster. So my friends are very good artists. They're selling higher quality posters. And I put out these little $1, like one inch big creatures. And the kids are like, I want one. And the parents are like, it's a dollar. Here you go. <laughs> like Just there you go. So yeah, I've, I've played with that. Um, but I don't do a lot of like large scale sculpting. I mean, is it, do you use kind of the similar tools like the yeah. rakes and, uh, I don't, I don't even know what you use in sculpting, but <laughs> I've only ever seen like the little arts way rake and like a little pokey stick, maybe a toothbrush in there, <laughs> a yeah. thick toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. So mostly what I use, and I don't even know what it's called, but it looks like something a dentist would use to clean your teeth. Like it's a, it's a wooden rod. And then at one end, it usually has a spade and on the other end, it has a hook. And you can use that to create a lot of texture and you can use that to like help hold pieces into each other. So like if you're doing a dragon with a spine, you'd make the body of the dragon cut like a little valley, put the spine in, and then you close it back up so that it's like secured in there. So you can use that to kind of like push things together. I'm doing a lot of talking with my hands on a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, I do the same thing. So, I mean, um, like I said in my last one, I am a, I'm, I'm Italian, so I my hands are everywhere. So if uh yeah, like I know this is uh audio only, but you know, you might be able to hear me like put my hands back together between sentences, but yeah, I'm I cannot stop talking with my hands. Uh mm -hmm. it sometimes it's distracting, but I I've gone through my whole life. This is pretty much what I do, you know. So I mean I can't actually see you, so for all I know, you're just sitting there, you know you know, prim and proper, you know, like, yes, sir. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's not true. Um, but yeah, no, I was just, cause when I was describing like how I was shaping the clay, I was sitting there and like, kind of like air guitar, but air arting, you know, 
<laughs> showing how I was doing it. And I'm like, that's not useful. I need to describe this with my words. I'm a podcaster. I know how to use my words good. <laughs> I, I'm still amazed by people who um, can actually form things. Like whether you say it's real sculpting or not. I mean, to me, uh, to take a block of clay or semi-clay and come out with something that's not just a smaller version of that rectangle is it's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get, like, you hear a lot of people that don't do a lot of art say things like that. And it it is amazing, because I still look at people who are creating, like, truly impressive pieces. And I'm like, how? I don't, I don't have the patience to put 50 hours into a piece of art. I, I don't have the talent I don't have the energy like my work is is good I enjoy what I do other people enjoy what I do but I'm not I'm never going to make a living selling art like I'm not at that level but it's all a skill and I feel like a lot of people view art and artistic ability as a binary thing like you have it or you don't you're born with it or you're not and you know just like an instrument just like a sport Yes, there are people that are more naturally gifted right off the bat, but anybody can learn to do it. If you want to, you put the time in, you start simple, you start small. And for me, I've kind of learned with art, if you're getting frustrated, there's kind of two directions you can go. Number one, you can rein it in, go a little bit simpler of your project and and find something you can do. But if you're not frustrated at all, to me, you're not pushing yourself enough. And I think we talked about it when we talked about Cornhole with you. It, you want to be challenging people that are better than you, right? You don't want to be playing with people that are beneath you or people that are not as good as you. You want to be playing with the next tier up, challenging yourself to meet that and then go again. And art is the same way. So if you sit down with a block of clay and you can make a hamburger like great you've made a hamburger like you start there and then figure out okay can I make a grilled cheese like that's a little bit harder bread shape like so you should always be pushing yourself to be a little bit frustrated when you're doing art it should always be a little bit of a challenge and always trying to grow and I don't know you'll be making sushi before long like (laughs) I don't know why you're making all food-based sculpture you're doing you I thought you only did fat unicorns. <laughs> like fat unicorns. Yeah. And that's that's the other thing too. It's like I don't know if I could genuinely sculpt like this beautiful, majestic, elegant unicorn, but I can make fat unicorns and they're cute and adorable and I love them. So if basically if you want to do art, realize that it is not just because you weren't quote born with it, like you can get there. It just takes time, it takes practice, and it takes a little bit of frustration, but it is a learnable skill. It is not a innate, you're born with that sort of. Uh, I, I know you said earlier that you started at a young age. Do you, um, do you remember like, why was it like an older uh, sibling? Was it a parent that just said, Hey, here's a coloring book, fill it in. And you're like, Ooh, this is what I like to do. I'm going to keep doing this. I honestly don't remember. Like I said, I've kind of always enjoyed coloring. I've always enjoyed, you know, markers, crayons, whatever I could get. I know when I was fairly young, my aunt uh, would take me to a pottery studio where we could do painting on ceramics, which is one of the things that I still very much enjoy. And she was definitely like the cool aunt. Like she would take us and do all of the fun, neat, interesting things. So it could be tied to that a little bit. I remember there was one girl in my class, like probably first, second, third grade, that was like a really, really good artist. And people were always impressed with her stuff. And then I was like, one or two steps below her. Like my stuff was good, but it wasn't like, she could draw a horse in second grade. Okay. If there's any artists out there, you know, drawing a horse is like one of the horses and bicycles. You can't draw them. She could draw a horse in second grade. So she was good. And I think seeing people like, appreciate her art so much made me want to like get that acknowledgement but like none of the rest of my family I do have an uncle that is actually a professional artist which is just really cool and that's like one of those things where knowing that kind of validates you know growing up a lot of people are like oh well art you know you can't really do anything with that you can't make money out of that so knowing that there was at least one person in my life that did make some money that way like helps support the idea but 
no, I don't, I don't remember like a finite, this was my inspiration or this was like my moment of wanting to do this long-term. It's just kind of always been, it's always been fun and it's been a way of showing people ideas. So I think I, I like that aspect of it. Now, what about as far as any type of uh, like competitive level? Do you enter like competitions uh, or is all your art just kind of for you or for the kid walking through the uh, convention? Here's a here's a here's a here's a heavy hippo for you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's pretty much all for me. Um, You know, me, my friends, my family. I like doing it as gifts for people. But I found that anytime I try like commercializing or like competing with my art in any way, it starts getting frustrating for me. Quite a few years ago, I was on a site called DeviantArt, which is basically like Facebook for artists or, you know, it's, it's evolved into other things since then. But, you know, you put up pictures of your art, people can comment, people can click the like button. And I would get very frustrated when I didn't get as many likes as I felt I should. And for me, that was a demoralizing thing. It made me not want to do the art anymore. And it made me, when I was doing art, I was specifically trying to do things that I thought would get those likes. So I kind of avoid anything that's going to put that level of pressure on me. I, When I create, I want it just to be for the fun, for the challenge, for the growth, um, or for making other people smile. Like I said, I'll draw, I'll draw my friends' characters or I'll, you know, create something that they might like in their house, but I try not to do anything that's like publicly acknowledged because then when I don't get the acknowledgement I want, I tend to start falling on it. Yeah. So um, I think I mentioned this when we're, you know, on the the cornhole episode, but I used to, and I really need to pick it back up, uh, photography. So right now I have a camera that's over into my corner and all I really use it for is an expensive webcam for these type of meetings. Uh, I always had fun going out. Like that's how I discovered new places to go to. Like, you know, thing that might be five minutes down the road. I never knew that there was this exotic looking scene, you know, walk within walking distance of my house, you know, and I've, mm-hmm. I met some people. Um, I did, you know, I did go to those clubs to compete in different, aspect of it whether you know you know give us a landscape picture or a portrait and i did find my most favorite style is more of the abstract so i have um i have a machine that will actually um it holds water or milk or some type of liquid form and you can actually time it the drops so they'll fall down and it ties into your camera, so you can actually see the drops colliding in midair. Um, I, I get some really good um, images. One of them, um, I always think it looks like a frog, just because um, I use some green color. And it, I, most of it is as it happened. Um, some of it is going in through like Lightroom or Photoshop and kind of taking out um some of the things that like dust particles and stuff like that but most of it was as it happened in the camera um that and like if you look at my uh firing synapses there's a whole bunch of circles and you know different colors and that that is me um shooting through oil and water and i put the water in the oil in the like a baking dish and underneath i'm projecting some kaleidoscopic uh colors so i'm shooting through the baking dish and that's all like in camera type of thing so uh those are my favorite type of shots that like smoke soap bubbles things like that are what i really have fun with and i used um this the pandemic as an excuse of oh i can't get out with my camera even though most of the stuff i use or take pictures of i don't need to be out anyway Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's something I always had fun with. That's very cool. Photography is one form of art that I have always been awful at. Um, and, it, you know, like I was saying earlier, I haven't put the time into trying to refine it. But it's like every time I take a picture, composition, lighting, like I just, my brain does not 
work through the camera the way that like a good photographer's does. So yeah, that's, that's one of those things that I'm definitely interested in learning more about and experimenting a little bit more with. I, f- I feel like photography is one of those arts that a lot of people, not that they scoff at it, but it's like, well, you can take up a picture. You know, I, I take pictures every day on my iPhone and it's like, there's so much more to being a good photographer than just snapping the picture. It's, it's understanding the timing, the composition, the coloring, the lighting. And it's hard because you, especially with what you're saying with the drops, you only have a second, right? Like you can drop another drop, but it's not going to be the same as the first drop. So you, you have to be so precise with what you want, or you can be like me with my cat and just snap 800 pictures and maybe one of them, she's not blurry in. Yeah, there definitely is a lot of patience in photography, knowing how to light it. And uh, like I said, I know this really all going to be for you, but this is one of my favorite pictures. It's actually on my Instagram. Um, this is two two drops colliding in together. So I have one drop and I delayed it just enough. So this other drop would uh, come behind it. And it just so happens to look, I think it looks like a frog. Does look like a frog. It's so cute. <laughs> uh, that I think I was, you know, at the table for you know an hour or two. Just like one, it, it takes me, you know, fifteen twenty minutes just to dial it in. So like the first drop, I got to get it so the apex is where I want it to, uh, and then I'll come in behind it. Like then there's uh how much how much delay do I put into it? You know, uh, you know, wait till the second drop, and there's also how big do you want the drop, and all those things will. Uh, play a factor on how they come out like these are like obviously this is only between you and i but yeah like, see, these are some of the the shots that like i don't post i like that shot it's oh, kind of like cool. a milk umbrella um there's a lot of cool ones and I, I play with different gels and timing and stuff like that so these are like some of my favorite shots the ones that i like i put up on my instagram account like i said i ever i haven't put up in a while but that and like things like soap bubbles and see if i can find uh here we go some of these soap bubbles are really interesting to uh see close up on let's see if i can what looks like the uh um, iphone logo is i have something similar to that with soap that's just different colors and different gels and stuff like that and flowers those are the type of shots that i really like to do yeah those are very cool i'm i'm all about that i know like i don't want to get super into it but i'm I personally am not a huge fan of abstract art when it's like, oh, this symbolizes X, Y, Z, like that, that whole like hidden meaning behind the brushstrokes. But I love just playing with color and movement and like it, you, you can say that it, you know, evokes certain emotions in you and, and that's fine and good, but like, to me, if it's just pretty colors and they're just like brushed in a unique way, like I, I like just looking at a good composition and that's what those are to me is like, there's fun movement, there's gradients and it's just like calming, exciting, beautiful, you know, and if it looks like a frog, that's even better. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I can never recreate that. I could set up the same colors and food coloring and put like xanthan gum in there to thicken, thicken it up and you know, all these all kind of like um, oils and stuff that you can put in there. And I could sit there for three hours and not come up with the same thing. You know, every, I mean, it is automated, but you're still, you know, relying on gravity and, you know, other forces of nature. Yeah. Um, watch Jurassic Park. They'll explain chaos theory to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's, that's what it is. No, no two drops are going to drop the same way. They're going to be, they're going to be different every time. Have you have you played at all with resin and alcohol ink? No, I play with ferrofluid, which is fun. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah. So I got a couple of shots um, on my, like I said, my Instagram of me playing with ferrofluid. So for those of you who don't know, it's a magnetic fluid that I think they was originally designed to transport fuel in outer space. So they use magnets to transfer the fuel. I don't know if they still do that or not, but I think that's what it was designed for. So if your strength of your magnet, you know, location and direction will give it like spikes or valleys and stuff like that. That came out really cool. 
it makes a huge mess. So I wouldn't, you know, don't play with anything that does, you don't want to get black stained. So, mm -hmm. but as far as resins and stuff like that, no, I haven't. Yeah, well, that might be something that um, kind of a neat mixture of both the photography and the traditional physical media, because with resin, you do a lot of mix-ins. Um, and when you're doing it, you do a lot of like pouring. So you can pour from up high to get like a slower pour. And I feel like the photography, getting some shots of that actual like pouring with the mix-ins swirling down, you could get some beautiful shots of it. And even doing something like you could pour a frame and then put the picture of the pouring shot in the resin frame that was poured from it. Like if you were looking to get into a more physical media, I feel like it's something that based on that, you'd have a lot of fun playing with and experimenting and seeing what it does and how it behaves. Something I really want to take a picture of, but I really haven't had the uh, victim. I mean, subject uh, <laughs> and the location is a uh, steel wool photography. So it's basically, you're going to put, um, like double O, uh, steel wool, like uh, into a whisk and spread it out, get some all, all kind of air in there. And you're going to ignite it with either uh, most people use nine volt batteries, but you can use a lighter. And what you do is spin it around, you know, in a circle and it yeah. makes these nice, um, have you ever seen like Dr. Strange, like those type of, uh, round orby type thing when he's making his portals? Okay. It kind of reminds me of that. So if you ever look up steel wool photography, they're all like, there's a bright reddish orange uh, circle in the picture. Sometimes people use two and mostly a dark background. So those are something I wanted to do because uh, I, I did see one picture of a girl in like a puddle and she's like has an umbrella and it's raining the, the, the embers down on her. I think that always looked cool. I just haven't had like I said, person or place to, to go with it. Cause you're still, I mean, it's steel wool and it's not, you know, hugely fires, but you're still playing with fire and if right. you get something that's super dry. You could, you know, that's what they say. Make sure you bring a fire extinguisher just in case. Yeah. That's a, that's a middle of an empty parking lot activity, not a, not a wheat field, uh, activity. It hasn't it hasn't rained in you know six weeks? Let's go out there with some uh, something yeah. to start a fire. <laughs> Although honestly, you could probably get some really cool shots like at a beach, you know, like knee deep water sort of a thing. That could actually be a really cool contrast with movement and stuff. But yeah, that sounds beautiful. I I hear your 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 cat uh, kind of went away. Would you put it in the other room? Yeah, no, she just wanders off. She really likes making noise when it's inconvenient. Um, and honestly, anytime I'm doing a podcast, she gets frustrated, I think, during the first minute or two. And then she pouts because I'm talking to somebody other than her. Because um, I spend a lot of time talking to my cat. Uh, she's, you know, sometimes the only one I talk to in the course of a day. And I think she does not understand when I'm talking to the computer instead. I always get the, um, I'll be sitting on you know, the couch, whatever, watching TV and my phone will ring. And then my dog will go from a complete sleep to just coming up to me and whining and marching. And we're like, Shh, I'm trying to talk to somebody. Be quiet over here. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's time to pay attention to me now. Yeah. They're, they're good for that. Um, but with cats, especially attempting to put her in another room would just increase the amount of meowing. Like you don't, you don't put baby in a corner, right? Like she, <laughs> Yeah, you close the door on a cat and it's, we're done. It's all meowing from there on out. I want to know why they were given such incredibly sharp, sharp daggers as, you know, as a form of defense. You know, it's like those little needle things will just go into you real quick. I think it's a counterbalance, right? Like the cuter something is, the more dangerous it has to be, which is why like really beautiful poisonous frogs are like incredibly toxic. I think it's just, they're so fluffy and cute and all you want to do is squish them that they need to have deadly needles at the end of their hands to, to balance that out. You can always tell a, a cat person by like, oh, are you... um is it it's do we need to send you help no it is my cat you know he's showing love you know but he doesn't know how to uh control himself which i never understood when people who declaw their cat or pets 
Um, I think that's actually just cruelty. Um, yeah, you, it you're, is. you're pretty much taking away, you know, their only defense, uh, or I guess technically sometimes offense, uh, because you don't want to get scratched or whatever. I mean, it's, yeah, it sucks to bleed and stuff like that, but that's like, you know, taking away, Hey, um, you know what you really love? Uh, we're going to take it away and yeah. you're never going to get it back. <laughs> well, it's also like, I, I think a lot of people don't realize, and I didn't realize when I was younger, when you declaw a cat, it's not like trimming their nails. They actually have to go in and remove like parts of the paw. And it, it can be actually a very difficult surgery. It can have serious repercussions. So yeah, declawing a cat is, is actually a pretty cruel and mean thing to do. And like with my cat, I do trim her nails. I have a little nail clipper and she's pretty good at letting me handle her paws. So I, I'll trim them so that they're not as pokey. And like, it's not that hard, especially if you got the cat when it was younger, you just work at massaging their paws so they're comfortable with it. You can trim them. They make claw caps. There's a lot of options to help you and your furniture, but still not actually like take this thing away from the cat or hurt the cat if it's done incorrectly. Yeah, I, I can imagine it not only being physically uh, uh, daunting, but mentally on them as well. I'm sure that makes a unstable creature already uh, more unstable if you yeah. do it wrong or do it too late. Back to back to being artsy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I get I get so derailed at other things that I'm like, oh, what's today's topic that we've been? Uh, oh, art. Oh, yeah. That last twenty minutes has not been about art. <laughs> yeah. Well, secretly, every conversation I have is also about my cat. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Like, yes, my last podcast I was recording, I got completely off trop, uh, topic, and then my uh, one of my guests said, "Oh, let's let's go back to this." You say you don't really paint in like a studio or can did you say you paint on canvas at all? No, not really, right? Yeah. No, I do paint I do paint on canvas. I do acrylic painting um which is like that's probably the thing that I go back to most consistently. Like I'll get into different types of crafts or different types of art and kind of after I've gotten like a base understanding and I'm decent at them, I tend to fall out before I get to like the expert stage where canvas painting and ceramic painting is something that I kind of have always consistently gone back to and enjoyed. It's been a stable throughout. Now, when, when you're painting on canvas or um, uh, ceramics or whatever, is there a certain topic that you usually, you know, try for, or is it just whatever, whatever your muse is at the time, that's what you're going to go for? Yeah, it's fairly whatever. Um, I don't, how, how would I explain? <laughs> um, like I said, I do like a lot of playing with color. So a lot of times, um, you know, it'll just be kind of like brush strokes and playing with gradients and, and things like that. And I think a lot of times with canvas art, especially, I don't do a lot of painting just for the sake of painting. A lot of times it is oh, I have a blank spot in this room, so I will create a piece that has those colors that is going to match the room nicely. When my parents moved down to Arizona, they wanted some paintings of different cactus. So they took some photos and I did different cactus flower paintings. So those were like kind of one of my more recent projects that I was working on. One of the ones I did recently just for no real reason was just a coffee cup. And I did a very, it's a very tall canvas. So the coffee cup's at the bottom of it. And then it's just like steam rising up. And it's, it's just a very simple, like it's a blue background, bright yellow mug. It's just like, you'd see it in a coffee house. It's just like a smile thing. Um, and I gave that one to my friend who drinks a lot of coffee. He's very much a coffee drinker. I've done a couple of paintings based off of video games. So when I was selling the little sculpy creatures I was talking about, I actually was selling a couple of canvas paintings and I had like a glow in the dark Metroid. Um, I had like a dragon, a couple, like Kieran, if you, anybody plays monster hunter, um, Kieran are like these lightning goat unicorn creatures. So they're very cool. They're awesome. And that one, again, it glowed in the dark. So all the lightning bolts around it all, blue and then there was like an aura around it that glows in the dark so if you put glow on the dark in anything it will sell <laughs> um, so if you are looking to sell your art just 
make it glow in the dark and you'll find an audience out there for it. <laughs> that's that's my biggest art tip for all of you aspiring artists out there. Yes, it's the the shiny things that uh draw us in. It's like I don't I wouldn't you know look at this, but um it's flashing at it at me, so I have to get it now. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm not, sad but true. I'm not gonna lie, I like to buy anything that says RGB on it. There's there's a RGB coaster, you know, that serves no other purpose but uh you know but you can have your i set my coffee mug on this coaster and i can make it green i can make it blue i can flash it you know mm-hmm. i don't need it but i want it you know there's but a lot of things it. <laughs> yeah, it flashes that's all i'm surprised i don't have my lights on behind me i'll even in the daytime i'll put on my accent lights sometimes i'll i'll get done whatever i'm doing and i'm like turn on my accent lights i don't know it serves no purpose other than to make the room more purplish <laughs> yeah yeah i find it very cute my dad is actually very into the rgb like leds and stuff like that and he's not a very technological person you know he he doesn't do a lot of technology well but he has those lights on his fountain he has them in his garden he has them up above his kitchen cabinets like all over his house and every time you go over it's like oh i got a new light look at it. and he pushes the button and it's like yeah dad it does the same thing as all the other ones but he loves it and i'm like you know it, it does look really good so but these ones will illuminate the pots and pans that one does the blankets over there <laughs> yeah exactly exactly now, when you're painting, uh, I know you said your mom sent you pictures of cactuses and whatnot. Um, yeah. Are you, do you go more from memory or do you go from an image that you already have? It depends on what I am painting. I usually do look up references. So, yeah, I guess I do. If I'm trying to create something specific, like the coffee mug or the cactus, I look up references but I usually don't get real concerned with it being exact. Like my, my paintings are not fine art, you know, Renaissance level. This is how it looks. It's, these are the shapes, these are the colors. And if it doesn't make exact physical sense, like I'm okay with that as long as it's an aesthetically pleasing design where like, if I'm doing more monsters or people like the creature drawings, those I tend to do a little bit more from memory Partially because I don't usually like creating an exact, I, I don't want to draw somebody else's Kieran. I don't want to draw somebody else's dragon. I want to draw my dragon. So I might look up some references to get an idea for head shape, but then I usually just kind of like go. And there's a lot of erasing involved and retrying. So that's, yeah, depends on what I'm drawing. So most of it is just your interpretation of the subject. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm not typically going for completely accurate. I'm going for, this is how I want it to look. And this is a fun drawing. Like, yeah. Now, so you, you brought up a a point that I was going to bring up, but so you said there's a lot of racing when you're actual painting with acrylics and canvas. Um, cause it might, I don't know if it's different for different medias, but do you usually put some type of a rough like pencil outline and then kind of build from that or not so much for the acrylic, but for the sketching? Um, usually for the acrylic, I use chalk pencil. A lot of times will show through your colors, especially if you're using light colors or like any sort of fluorescent color, a pencil line is going to show straight through that. Where with chalk, then when you paint over it, it kind of just brushes away and mixes into the media. And when you're completely done, if there's still chalk lines, you let it dry, you take a wet rag, you just wipe down your canvas and all of the chalk just goes away. Yeah, I usually do sketch things out. How closely I follow those sketching definitely changes, but it is part of the process. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, that that is an amazement of, I'm going to draw this person. Now, first, I need to draw this triangle and this circle. I'm like, what? How's that turn into a person? It's like, yeah, I got to get the proportions right. I'm like, that's, that's, like I said, that's why I like photography because things are already there. I can just re, you know, set the camera a certain way. I can change my shutter speed, ISO, and F stop. I don't have to create anything. I'm just telling my story from how, you know, do I want this lake to follow up and it brings you to this bench that looks pretty with, you know, backlit and the sun rays and stuff like that. 
But if I were to draw that, um, it it would be so crude. I mean, I might as well just like put some macaroni on, on a piece of paper and be like, there you go. <laughs> First of all, I have seen actually some really impressive macaroni art. So that is a thing. But it's also like for, for me, when I look at a photographer able to do that, I'm like, how do you possibly understand all of these settings? And like using a different lens and using like, I can't figure out the whole in focus, out of focus aspect of a camera. And that's like cameraing 101, where to me, when I have paint, pencil, marker, I can just take it and squish it into something until it does what I want it to do. Like it's a more brute force. I can see the changes as I'm doing it. And if I'm mixing a color and it's like, oh, that is too blue. Great. I'll add a little bit more yellow back into it. And I can just adjust as I go. So I think it's just a different it's a different way of your mind working. For me, I need the immediate physical feedback where like trying to control things on a technical level or understanding what different settings do in different situations. Like that's that my brain does not do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's pretty much only three aspects of an image. There's shutter speed, ISO and uh, aperture. Shutter speed, pretty easy to determine. How fast is that sensor seeing like, okay, cool. If it's open for quicker, you can freeze action. If it's lower, you can get that uh, ethereal look like in waterfalls and stuff like that. So that might be, depending on the th- a 30 second, uh, uh, you know, a five minute exposure where like trying to stop a hummingbird in, you know, mid flight, that might be like one five thousandth of a second or, you know, one ten thousandth of a second to get the wings like frozen in midair. Mm-hmm. But then when you try to explain aperture, well, first of all, everything's opposite. So the lower the f-stop, the wider the lens, the shorter the depth of field. So if you're doing a portrait or like macros, you might have it at f1.0 or uh, 1.8. You know, you have a nice wide open lens that lets a lot of light in, but your depth of field is tiny. Where if you're doing landscape, you're at f11, f16, f22. So you get the whole range. And then there's ISO, which is how sensitive is your sensor sensitive to? I'm like, how does that work? <laughs> how do you how do you define something with its own definition? Yeah. But uh, yeah, just playing with like like what I tell people is, put your camera in auto, take a picture, and what you're gonna do is play with those three settings. So you put, you know, it'll tell you this is, you know, one sixtieth of a second at f five five point six, an ISO of four hundred. Well, you set your camera there. And you pick one thing and start sweeping it up and down and see what happens. So do you see more movement? Do you see more blur? Do you see more things in focus? You know, and then you put it back and then change the other thing and see how that plays with it. There's a lot of cool free stuff that uh, like I've picked up over the years. And, you know, there's a lot of cool YouTube channels if you're ever interested in photography. Um, yeah, YouTube, it. Any any type of art you are into, like... Yeah, YouTube is a great thing. <laughs> My goodness. I don't know how people lifed before YouTube. It's like, yeah, there's oh. hardly anything that you look up that someone hasn't already posted a video of, which is amazing. It's like, this brand new invention, there's already 17 videos about it. It's like, it, it came out three minutes ago. How do people know about it? Yeah, yeah. It's also, like, so I've, I've mentioned a couple times throughout, one of the things I do art-wise is drawing characters. Um, I do tabletop role-playing. I like drawing my own characters. I like drawing NPCs, sometimes video game characters. Like it's all fun for me. When I first started drawing people, I was in eighth grade, early high school, and it was all copying Sailor Moon. Like, so, you know, you, you look up Sailor Moon images on the rudimentary internet that I had when I was a kid and you just copied that exactly. Um, Don't get on the internet. I'm trying to look at this picture. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we only had one computer, so it wasn't a concern, right? Like, But like, so you kind of started there. And then from there, I started breaking it down, finding my own style, things like that. But it wasn't until maybe like three years ago that I actually went online and I looked up some of the like how to draw faces. And they'll show you different diagrams, right? Like you start with an oval, you put a plus sign through it. The eyes sit right above the plus sign. The nose sits at the bottom of the circle. You add the jaw, like it, it breaks it down. And I probably went through like four or five different versions of that before I saw one that actually made sense for me and worked with the way that I liked 
drawing. So it's like, when you go online and you look stuff up, sometimes, first of all, the artists make it look way easier than it actually is. Don't fall into that trap of like, oh, mine didn't turn out perfect the first time. If they're making a YouTube tutorial, it's because they've done it a million times. And second of all, if it doesn't make sense to you, do your Google search again. Go go down to like the third or fourth video. There's different processes for all of this stuff. And not every process is going to work for people the same the same way. So yeah, I've actually, like over the last few years, I've been kind of reinventing the style that I draw faces in. They're, they're more cartoony, but they're also more like stylized cartoony, where before they were maybe slightly more realistic, but also kind of fell into a little bit of uncanny valley. Like, so sometimes you just need to redefine what success is in that regards. Well, I mean, if you're taking your inspiration from any type of anime, I don't I don't think I've ever seen a true to life anime. I mean, everything no. is so exaggerated on the eyes and I never understood well, I kinda understand, but why they they'll show their their eyebrows through their hair, which kinda like kinda threw me off for the first, you know, like month or so of watching anime and I understand there's more expression in the eyes and yeah. I'm like I'm I'm looking I I know this is this is a sword bearing person who can fly and spit acid out and blah blah blah. I, I, I can suspend belief for that, but I'm like, well, their hair the way it is, you wouldn't be able to see their eyebrows. This is fake. I don't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll also say trying to copy art, like like I said, when I was younger, it was a lot of just look at a picture and copy that exact. Sometimes you can see something and in that art, you're like, okay, that looks good. And then you draw it the exact same way and you're like, wait, these eyebrows don't make sense anymore. And like, <laughs> just don't think about it too much. And I think, yeah, a lot of it is expression. A lot of it is also for most people, the hair in front of your face, you get like individual strands so you can still see your eyebrows a little bit. But obviously in a cartoony drawing, you're not going to draw each individual strand of hair. So I think it's counterbalancing that. Um, but yeah, I I agree. Now, what about before we uh, close this episode, hands? How are you at drawing hands? Because I heard that's supposed to be one of the hardest things to draw accurately. That is an awful thing to draw. So sorry about that. <laughs> it's not a problem. It's life. You know what happened. So yeah. Um. So back to, back back to square one. Hands. <laughs> I've heard hands are one of the hardest things to uh, draw. Represent. Um. Do you agree? And how's your hand drawings? You know. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um. Most of the time, I find ways to cleverly hide the hands. Um, yeah, I have a lot of drawings with people with their hands behind a back or... In a pocket hands, or holding yeah. something. Pocket, you just crop the image, like, you know, so that you just have torso and up. All all sorts of wonderful solutions for avoiding drawing hands. I will say some of the things when you absolutely are going to draw a hand, use references. That That helps a lot. Don't try to draw it like you think it's supposed to look. Like, your your hand does not look like you think your hand looks like. The phrase, know it like the back of your hand, is a stupid phrase. Nobody knows what hands look like. They're right up there with horses and bicycles. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't draw it. Um, and the other thing is, if you have the hand doing something, that helps a lot. So, like, if... If you're drawing your character, have them holding something or have them making a fist so that they're about to fight. Like, have them... Because, yeah, a loose hand with no purpose. Like, even in the real world, when you see people and they don't know what to do with their hands, it's awkward. Same thing in your drawing. Like, give your character something to do with their hands. So, in conclusion, no, I am not good at drawing hands. You can hand that to the professionals. Yeah. Um, Damn, I really need my soundboard. I need a do do. <laughs> you do. That would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Fix it in post, right? That's yeah. what we all say, and then we immediately don't fix it in post because that's way too much work. All I got to do is just drag it over. Nah, it didn't happen naturally. I'm not going to put it in. <laughs> so hide the hands. Um, hold them something. Have them holding something, but no raw yeah. hands. Yeah, I I, I think uh, we learned a lot today. Well, at least I did. I had fun. <laughs> um, so before we go, uh, uh, please remind the people at home or in their car where they can find you, where they can follow you, all that yeah. good stuff. Um, so yeah, again, my name is Joanne, and I am the host of a podcast called The Turtle Stack. 
And you can find it pretty much anywhere podcasts are served. It's on most of your podcast sites. I'm on all social media as the Turtle Stack. So Twitter is probably where I'm the most active, but I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. And in general, my podcast is just interviewing people about things that they like, even if I don't know anything about them. So give it, give it a listen. It's a, it's a fun opportunity to learn about something new and to also share something new. You can shoot me an email, theturtlestack at gmail.com if you have any interest in sharing any of your hobbies or interests. Uh, very good. Um, like I said, um, I think with that, I think we're going to close the episode. So goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. have been listening to Firing Synapses with Matt Hamity. I want to thank everyone who listened to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends. Also, feel free to send all questions, comments, constructive criticisms, and new topics to mhamityphoto at gmail.com. That's M-H-A-M- I D Y photo at gmail.com. It just may end up on a future episode. If you would also like to help the show, you can follow me on all your social media platforms, which includes Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It only takes a couple of seconds and it's still free. Otherwise, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>